Hey everybody, before you jump into today's episode, you should probably know that it has the slightest hint of adult-themed content. It's not anything that anyone would ever really get in a in a twist over, but it might mean some awkward conversations with your kids when they ask what certain words mean. So if you're listening to this with really young people, maybe skip on down the line. This seems to be a theme with a Decameron. Apparently some of them are adult-themed, but who knew? Who knew that old books would be like that? Anyway, here we go into the story. Uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey out there in quarantine land and welcome to another episode of Quarantine Stuff You Should Know. My name is AJ Hannenberg and I'm here bringing you stories from the Decameron all the way through quarantine. This is usually a completely different podcast called Classical Stuff You Should Know. Those guys are in quarantine too. So, you know, we we are not getting together. One of them has a new kid and it's just, it's still kind of dangerous for us to meet. So I'm still bringing you stories and I'm sorry they're so few and far between. I'm, I'm going to keep them coming as much as I can. Just, you know, you got to give me a little grace. Uh, I'm, do, I'm doing my best. Anyway, this next story is maybe my favorite in the book so far. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know I certainly did. And without further ado, here we go. So Fiametta was the next to talk. And the stones that Landolfo, the guy who decided to be a pirate in our last story, found, the, the ones that he found, reminded her of another tale with almost as many dangers, but all of these dangers happen in one night instead of over the course of a long time. So once in Perugia, there lived a young man named Andreuccio di Pietro, and he was a horse trader. And he had heard that horses were cheap in Naples, so he put 500 gold florins in his bag and set off, even though he had never been away from home before. Uh, he joined some other merchants, and off they went to Naples. He arrived on Sunday evening, around Vespers, and Monday morning, the following morning, he followed the directions of the innkeeper and headed off to the market. And there, he saw it was true. There were many good horses. But unfortunately, he couldn't succeed in buying one, despite making many offers. And as he negotiated to show that he had the cash to buy the horse, he often pulled out his money bag, which was a sure sign of his inexperience as a traveler. You don't want to flash your cash in the middle of a crowded market. That's just a bad idea. Anyway, his the very risk he took turned out to be a bad risk because a young Sicilian woman, beautiful, also happen, happening to be a lady of the night, walked by and saw his purse. And she said to herself, who'd be better off than me if that money were mine? And she continued to walk on by. There was an old woman with her, also Sicilian. And when she saw Andre Uccio, she ran up and gave him a big warm hug. And he responded in kind. He greeted her heartily and made her promise to come visit him at the inn. And they chatted for a little bit. And he didn't end up getting any horses. And so ended up, you know, eventually went on home. The young woman had said nothing during this encounter, but later when she was walking home with the old woman, she began questioning her friend, asking her who he was and where he came from and what he was doing in Naples and how she knew him and about his family. And it turns out that the old woman had lived with Andre's father in Sicily and later on in Perugia, and she gave a full report, almost as good a one as he himself might have given and let the young woman know where he was staying and why he had come and who his family was and every single sort of detail that she had asked. Well, the young woman devised a plan and gave the old woman work enough to do to keep her from going back to see Andre that night. She took aside a young maidservant who had been trained for this sort of intrigue and sent her to the inn around the hour of Vespers. The young woman found him and said, Sir, there's a gentlewoman, gentlewoman in this city who would be happy to speak with you if you please. Well, Andre, a little confuddled, 
looked himself over and decided he must be a pretty good-looking fella and that she must have fallen in love as he wandered around the market, as if he were the only handsome man in Naples at the time. And he said to the young woman, lead the way, I'm right behind you. Well, she led him to a quarter of the city called Malpertugio, which translates to bad hole or something of the effect. It does, so it doesn't sound like the nicest place. It's not the finest area of town. But Andre didn't really know that, and so he thought he was going to meet a respectable lady in a respectable area. The girl, once they had arrived, called to the lady to come down. And she did. She was young, well-dressed, tall, gorgeous. Her clothing and jewelry were all very proper-looking, and she descended to Andre with her arms wide open. She clasped him around the neck, stared deep in his eyes, and seemed overcome by tender feelings. She broke down and then said as she kissed his forehead, Oh, my Andre Uccio, how happy I am to see you. Marveling, Andre stammered, My lady, the pleasure is mine. She took him into her bedroom by the hand, which was redolent with the fragrance of roses and orange blossoms. There was a big curtained bed and a large number of dresses on pegs and other luxurious, beautiful furnishings. Andre thought he must be in the house of a great lady. Well, she sat him down and she said, Andre Uccio, I'm quite sure you're amazed at my embracing you like this and shedding all these tears. For you don't know me, and it may be that no one's ever mentioned me to you, but you're about to hear something that will probably make you even more amazed. The simple fact is that I am your sister. For a long time I've wanted to meet all my brothers, and since God has now granted me the favor of allowing me to see one of them before I die, I can tell you that I'll die content when the hour arrives. But in case you've never heard anything about this before, let me tell you my story. Pietro, who is my father as well as yours, lived for a long time in Palermo, as I believe you may know. Being a good and amiable man, he was greatly loved by everyone who knew him there. And to this day, he still is. Among the people who were attracted to him, no one loved him more than my mother, a gentlewoman who was at that time a widow. In fact, she loved him so much that she cast off her honor as well as her fear of her father and her brothers and became so intimate with him that it led to the birth of the person you see before you. When I was still a little girl, Pietro was called away from Palermo and returned to Perugia on some business or other, leaving me behind with my mother. N um, nor, from what I've been able to discover, did he ever think of me or of her again. This is why, if he were not my father, I'd reproach him bitterly, considering his ingratitude toward my mother, for she was moved by the most devoted love for him to put herself and all her worldly goods into his hands, without otherwise knowing anything about him. I'll say nothing about the affection he ought to feel for me, his daughter, since I'm not the child of a serving maid or some low-class woman. But what's the point of all this? It's a whole lot easier to condemn wrongs done a long time ago than to right them now. In any case, what happened was that when I was a little girl, he left me in Palermo, where I grew up, and have spent most of my time until fairly recently. My mother, being a wealthy woman, arranged my marriage to a well-heeled gentleman from Agrigento, who, out of love for my mother and me, came to live in Palermo. He was a staunch supporter of the Guelphs, and entered into secret negotiations with our King Charles. But King Frederick got wind of the plot before it could be carried out, and he had to flee Sicily just when I thought I was going to be the grandest lady ever on the island. We carried away what few things we could. I say, few in comparison to the huge number of things we owned there. And leaving behind our lands and palaces, we became refugees in this country. Here we've found King Charles to be so grateful as to give us houses and lands and partial compensation for the losses we suffered on this account. And as you will see, see sorry, as you will soon see for yourself, he continues to provide a substantial allowance for my husband, who is also, of course, your brother-in-law. So that's how I've come to be here. And 
it seemed true to Andre Uccio. It seemed, and, and she continued to ask questions about his family and about, you know, all, all this business that he had. And she, uh, she asked about certain relatives in such a way that it seemed as though she knew them. And he said, my lady, don't take it too hard that I'm amazed by all this, for to tell the truth, up till now I've had no more knowledge of you than if you'd never existed. For whatever reason, my father never talked about your mother and you, or if he did, I never heard a word about it. But I'm all the more delighted to have found my sister here, because I'm completely on my own and was never expecting anything like this to happen. In fact, although I'm just a small-time merchant, I really can't imagine anyone, no matter how exalted his station, who wouldn't treasure you. There is one thing, however, that I'd ask you to clarify for me, please. How did you know I was here? Um, she, and so, uh, the, the young woman told about this old woman who she knew. And, um, so she said, I, I had you come. And then basically they kind of hit it off. I'm going to skip a little more of their dialogue, but they talked and they talked and she said, you need to stay here and eat supper with me. And he said, I, I've, I'm in, I'm engaged with my buddies back at the inn. I, I really can't. And she said, nonsense. Oh, nonsense. Uh, they can come here if you want. And then if you guys still want to leave, you can leave as soon as we're done with dinner. And she sent off her servant to go to the inn to tell all the people at the inn that he wasn't coming. Well, she didn't actually send the servant, but she certainly made a show of it. And so they ate and they stayed and he started to enjoy her company. And so it was hot and while they'd been talking, so she plied him with some sweets and some Greco wine and plenty of alcohol at supper. And then once it was over, she said it was dark and she, he made like he was going to go home. And she said, absolutely not. Naples is not a place to walk around at night, especially for a stranger. So, and by the way, I told my maidservant to let everyone at the inn know that you were going to sleep here as well. And she was insistent and he was having a pretty good time. So he decided to stay. Well, it was hot and he, as he went off to his room with a serving boy, she had left to her own quarters. He kind of stripped off all his clothes. And then he felt an urge to sort of unload the load that he had taken over dinner. And he asked where the bathroom was. The boy who was to help him motioned to a door in the corner and said to go in there. Well, he took off his clothes and he walked through the door. Well, in this country, the, what, what, this kind of bathroom might be unfamiliar to my listeners. Well, the houses were really close together because as the streets were originally designed for something smaller than cars, they were, you know, butted up nice, nice and close. And so between these two houses was a little alleyway that they had sort of rigged up into an outhouse. So there was a raised sort of floor over this alleyway portion that had walls on either end. And you would just sort of go to the bathroom and it would fall into the alleyway. And then that was, you know, done away with over time. Well, he walked out this little door into the raised outhouse alleyway and stepped on a plank that happened to be not very well fastened. And it came unhooked and dumped him right into the outhouse. And he obviously was distressed. So he called back up to the boy and said, hey, like, you got to help me out. I fell into the, the thing. And the boy had gone scurrying off to the lady to say what had happened. She ran in, found that he had taken off his clothes and left all of his money with them. And so she had what she wanted. So she just went and closed the door and left him in the alleyway outhouse. After yelling for a little while and hearing no response, he began to grow suspicious. So he climbed over the little wall at the end of the alley and went to the front door, smelling like a million dollars, obviously. 
He called and pounded and said, alas, poor me, how little time it took me to lose 500 florins and a sister. And he began to shout. He woke up the neighbors. One of the maids looked out and said, who's knocking down there? And he said, don't you recognize me? I'm Andre Uccio, Madame, Madame, uh, Madama Fiadeliso's brother. And the maid says, listen, buddy, you've had too much to drink. Go sleep it off and come back tomorrow morning. I don't know any Andre Uccio. You're talking nonsense. Please go away and let us sleep. And he says, you don't know what I'm talking about? Sure you do. At least give me the clothes I left there and I'll go away. She said, you must be dreaming, buddy, and tried not to laugh. And he decided then that maybe force was better than controlling and took a rock and began beating frantically about the door. An old lady neighbor came out and she said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, right? Making all this noise and waking up all these people. It's impossible to sleep. If you have business with the lady, come back tomorrow. And encouraged by this old woman, her pimp, who happened to also be in the house, decided to make himself known. And so he kind of put his head out the window and his big bearded face, and he said, who's that down there? And Andre Uccio tried to explain, and he says, I don't know what's keeping me from coming down there and beating you with a stick until you can't move, you stupid, drunken idiot. Now get away. Nobody can sleep because of you. Some of the neighbors heard this, and they knew this man in the house, and so they said, hey man, you got to get out of here. You're going to get killed. So poor Andre Uccio, covered in duty, lost 500 florins, set off and tried to find his way back to the inn and just follow the, the route that he had followed with the girl. And on the way, he's like, man, I, I smell so bad. I've got to go wash off. So he tried to take a little side route all the way down to the, the sea. And he went down a street called Ruga Catalana. And on his way down there, he saw two men both carrying lanterns coming, lanterns coming his way. And he thought, man, those guys have got to be the night watch. So he ducked into a nearby abandoned hut. Well, it just so happens that that was also the destination of the two men with the lanterns. It was their hut. And so they came down and they put down their tools and they began to talk. And as they talked, they realized, man, what is that smell? That is the worst thing I've ever smelled. And one of the guys lifted his lantern and they saw Andre and they said, who's that there? Andre sat there and didn't say anything. And then they said, hey, what's, they, they held up the lantern closer and obviously there was a person there. So they said, what's going on with you? And then eventually they got out of him the whole story of his evening. And one of them said, it must have happened at Boss Budufuoko's house. Well, you may have lost your money, but you should thank goodness that you fell through that plank because it probably prevented them from killing you while you were asleep. And then you would have lost your life and your money. But what's the use? You have as much now chance now of getting your money back as plucking the stars from the sky. Then they kind of thought for a sec and they said, but you know what? We're feeling sorry for you. So if you want to come and join on the job we're about to do, you can get your money back and probably a lot more for your share. And turns out that earlier that day, an archbishop from Naples named Messer Filippo Min Minutolo had been buried. He'd been interred with expensive vestments and a ruby ring worth more than 500 gold florins. So really nice clothes, really nice jewels and that sort of thing. Andre Uccio, a little more greedy than wise, decided that this sounded like a great idea and decided to set off with them. But as they walked, they're like, man, you just smell wretched. So we've got to wash you off. So they took him to a nearby well. And turns out the well didn't have a bucket on the rope. So there's no way to get the water up. They thought, well, we'll just dunk him. So they had him hang onto the rope and they lowered him down into the well so he could kind of wash himself off. Well, while he was down there washing, several members of the watch actually did come up. 
They were thirsty because they had just been chasing somebody and they came to the well for a drink. Remember, it was a really hot evening. Well, the pair of thieves saw them coming and totally bailed, leaving Andre in the well unseen and uh, uh, uns- the, the, the thieves were unseen and so was Andre by the night watch. Well, the night watch comes up and they they uh, Andre had just finished washing and so he tugs on the rope and they don't see that, but they think, hey, there's got to be a bucket down there. So they start pulling up the rope. Well, that's Andre. He's hanging on to it. And I don't know why they didn't notice that the bucket was way heavier than it should have been, but they hauled him up, and when he was near the top, he kind of leapt off the rope and grabbed the sides of the well and then flung himself over the side, and all of the wa- the night's watchmen were so surprised and terrified that they dropped all their weapons and just ran right off. And he kind of got out of the well and collected himself and saw a bunch of weapons on the ground and realized that something must have happened His friends were gone, there were weapons there, and he's like, I just better not touch anything and leave. So he decided to walk off, and on on his way away from the well, he found the two two thieves coming back to, to get him out of the well, and they all had a good laugh about the whole thing and then headed to the cathedral since it was already midnight. Well, once they had gotten there and they had wedged open the really heavy marble lid of the tomb, they started to have an argument. Who was going to go into the tomb? One thief said, not me. The other thief said, not me either. Let's have this guy do it. And Andre Uccio said, no, I don't want to go in there. And they said, what do you mean? We're going to bash your head in with one of these rods and we'll keep going until you fall down and die if you don't do it. Terrified, he thought to himself, well, might as well. But as he rummaged around, well, he climbed in and as he rummaged around and looked for things, he thought, you know what? They're probably tricking me. Once I hand them all the stuff, they'll bail and they'll leave me with nothing. So he took off the ruby ring right when he got in and he slipped it on his own finger. And then he passed them the rest of the gear that he found, handed out all the really nice clothes. And then they said, hey, where's the, where's the ring? We heard he had a ring. And he's like, I don't know. It's not, it's not down here. And made a really big show of looking around. And they're like, make sure you look in every nook and cranny. And they told him to look so hard partially so that they could play a trick on him. And while he was looking, they pulled the prop that was holding that big marble lid and it slammed shut, trapping Andre inside with the dead bishop. Well, Andre tried his very best to lift that lid. He tried first with his head, then with his shoulders and with all his might, and he just could not do it. The marble lid was way too heavy. And so he burst into tears. There he was, stuck with a very smelly, dead cardinal, And right next to him. And he thought, well, two things are going to happen now. Either I'm going to perish here unseen by anyone and I will, you know, die eaten by these worms. And eventually they'll find two cardinals in here or I will be found and then they'll hang me for a grave robber. So I'm not in a very good spot. And then as he lay there thinking about his terrible possible fate, he heard some voices outside and at first was terrified. He thought that they were come to catch him. But he found out that, no, it was a second group of thieves coming to try and get the ring from the cardinal. So they propped the lid and they hadn't looked inside yet. It was pretty dark inside the tomb. And they started having the same argument that his crew had had. Who's to go in and actually get the goods from the dead cardinal? Nobody wants to steal clothes from a dead man. And so after a lot of back and forth, finally, one of the priests that was with them, there was a a priest on, on this deal, said... Who, what are you guys afraid of? You think he's going to eat you? The dead don't eat people, you silly nincompoops. I'll go inside myself. So he laid his chest on the edge of the rim and then swiveled his feet inside. So he's sort of laying belly down 
on the edge of the tomb with his feet inside and his face looking outside towards his fellows because he was about to sort of wiggle his way in. Andre, seeing his moment, grabbed him by the legs and then tried to pull him into the tomb. And the, the priest was absolutely terrified, right? They didn't know anybody was down there. And so he freaks out. He screams. The other thieves scream. And off they go, leaving everything right where it was. Well, Andre climbs out, finds that he's okay, finds that he still has the ring, and goes out of the cathedral the way he came in. And eventually, after wandering around for a while, he finds the waterfront and then finds his way back to his inn where he finds his fellows. They had spent the night up waiting for him because they had never gotten any news about him after the market. Well, he told them what had happened. And they said, oh my goodness, you need to leave town now. You need to leave town tonight. So they got him together and sent poor Andre home. And Andre arrived home in Perugia, having invested his money in a ruby ring rather than in a horse. And that is the end of this story. All right, I hope you enjoyed it. I'll have another one for you as soon as I can. This is AJ signing out. Goodbye. Goodbye.